0: The end of summer is upon us, and I know no better inspiration to take a new season by storm than listening to Ellen Bennett tell her story. The Latinx founder is the mastermind behind your, and your go-to chefs, favorite aprons. She's built Hedley and Bennett from the ground up and tells her story in her book, Dream First, Details Later. I'm Vivian. This is Happy to Be Here, and here's my conversation with Ellen. I'm excited to be here on an episode with Happy to Be Here with Ellen Bennett, who we were just talking beforehand. We spoke for Forbes a few months ago, and that conversation was such a dynamic one that I could have kept going on for hours that I'm excited that we're actually recording this now for everyone else to listen.
1: Yeah, thank you for making it happen. I was like, that's a great idea. Let's do that.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm glad that you're up for it. And I would love for you to introduce yourself to anyone who is listening.
1: Totally. So my name is Ellen Bennett. I am a Latinx founder, born in LA, but raised by a amazing single Mexican mama, uh, who kind of just taught me how to show up every day and hustle like, like this was the last day every day.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I have a company called Headley and Bennett that I founded ten years ago. This is our ten year anniversary in July. Congratulations. Thank you. And that company basically makes really, really premium aprons and kitchen gear for the professional space and also for home cooks. So, anybody that loves cooking, Headley and Bennett is your place for like legit gear. And we outfit almost every show on Food Network, we outfit Top Chef, we outfit over 6,000 restaurants in the US. But it's been the labor of love for now, like. 10 years. I mean, it it was not an overnight success. It's been an everyday put a brick down and then tomorrow another brick and the Mm -hmm. next day another brick.
0: Tell me about that. What's the first brick you put down 10 years ago and the last brick you put down as of most recently?
1: Yeah. Well, I would say that First of all, it hasn't been like a straight road, right? The bricks are not lined up in a perfect row. (laughs) They're kind of like all over the place. And then when you zoom out, it starts to build this like beautiful infrastructure of a wall, but the wall is not straight. Mm -hmm. It's like wild. Uh, that's that's the first thing I need everybody to know. It, don't expect it to be some perfect line. But I'd say the very first brick I laid down was my first order. I wrote a book about a year and a half ago called Dream First Details Later, and it's the opening chapter. Great book. Yeah, thank you. Uh, where I basically was working at a really nice restaurant and the chef said, hey, there's a girl she's going to buy, she's going to make aprons for us. Do you want to buy one? And I had already had the idea. It was sitting in my head and this was my opportunity. And so I blurted out, chef, I have an apron company. I'll make you those aprons. And I really didn't have an apron company. I didn't have anything. I didn't have sewers. I didn't, I didn't have anything. And so that's how I started it. So that was the first brick of trusting myself and allowing myself to kind of like take that leap. And be like, all right, even if I fail, at least I tried and I really want to try. So I'm going to take that risk. And and it worked out, even though that first order, by the way, it was a disaster. And those aprons were terrible. It got me on the road. And it got me to actually be committing myself to putting a brick down.
0: So your book is titled Dream First, Details Later, which I think is exactly what that memory brings up. And you talk a lot about confidence too, and how so much of that was just like an act of self trust, and that this is a dream, this is something I want to try. I felt like that was such a beautiful way to put it. Like at the end of the day, it's just something I want to try and see what happens. How did you figure out how to tap into that confidence? And I love the what you use in the book, which is like the metaphor of like a belt and having all these different notches on there. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it. I sort of coined this phrase like my confidence belt because as all of us go through life you have these experiences where we're all thrust into moments like that where this little boat of opportunities going by in front of you and you have to decide you're on the dock and you have to decide should I leap off the dock or should I not leap off the dock and I've leaped off the dock so many times now that every time I do it I feel like I'm making a little notch on my own personal confidence belt. And so then the next time a bigger boat goes by, I'm like, all right, am I going to be willing to jump off and try this one? And the answer is usually yes, because I've now tried so many times and realized that, okay, I've failed a couple times, I've succeeded a couple times, but I'm still here and I'm still alive. So therefore, the risk is actually not as bad as I thought it was. So let's just try. Let's just keep trying. Right. And so it kind of gives you this like air of confidence, self-confidence. And a lot of people are like, you're just born that way. Or, you know, you just always had a lot of confidence. And the truth is, I don't. I'm just willing to try all the time. And so my confidence belt is just jam-packed with all kinds of Experiences where I, you know, did stuff, and and I think that's important. It's just realizing that you're going to learn more when you're actually walking down the path than staring at the path from the window from like the safety of your home. You, that's you're not going to learn anything behind a business plan. Like, yes, you will, but only so far. Then you realize you actually get on the road, and then it's like mm, I hadn't thought about that, and it looks like this is different, and that's going to change. So my, my biggest kind of advice is add to your confidence belt, like just start trying shit.
0: How does that fear manifest now, like 10 years out, right? Where does it come up? Cause it probably doesn't come up in the same way as it did when you were first starting out, but I feel like it fear, like anything else kind of just evolves.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. I think now I, I have just as much fear, but in different ways and I'm just more comfortable with the uncomfortable, if that makes sense. Like I'm so – I've been in so many situations where the business was on the line or, you know, an order went so south that I had to fund the whole thing and lose all the profits or, you know, had to let go of somebody and it was the worst moment ever and I thought the company wouldn't make it without that person. Like there's been so many of those times and then I'm still here that I've realized I'm so much more resilient and the company and all Mm -hmm. of us are so much more resilient than I thought at those times that I'm just sort of like, okay, I'll make it through this one, but it's not any easier. I'm just Mm -hmm. kind of like seasoned.
0: (laughs) (laughs) you could call it jaded or you could call it seasoned i'm going i'm going to call it seasoned <laughs> i love that i think that you look at the positive of so many things even throughout the book there were so many moments where you're like yeah this failed or this didn't go the way it was supposed to go um but there was always an inner trust of like well i've got my back and the people who really support this brand have that back and so there's no way that we could really fail like we could fail but there's no big like a failure on this because we're all trying Yeah.
1: And I would say like failure is relative, right? Uh, You you look at companies Mm -hmm. like Slack. Slack was born out of a quote unquote failed business within another company. And then this morphed Mm -hmm. into something that was so much bigger. But if they hadn't started that first failed business, Slack would have never Mm -hmm. come to life. So a lot of times, not even all, a lot of times, I think all the time you're on a path and the path is going to go in places that you didn't expect but that path is going somewhere. Right. So it's like, it took you from one place to another to get you to that place that you eventually need to get to, even if it's a windy, weird road. Like I, I think a lot about how, when I was 18, I moved to Mexico city and lived there for four years by myself doing the weirdest jobs ever to pay my way through culinary school. And at, when I was 18, I was like, what am I doing with my life? Every job I have is Mm -hmm. so strange and so random. And I'm like, you know, a booth babe for a like, I don't know, like a bank, and I'm the national mm-hmm. lottery announcer. Like, what does that have to do with cooking? Nothing had to do with cooking. But I actually learned a lot of skills on how to talk to people, how to be willing to sell and and be willing to be told no all day long by doing mm-hmm. those jobs. And so you kind of go through these experiences, and you might think that those were my failures, but they were actually, things I needed to learn to be able to succeed later on. Or like the Spanx lady. She was a Mm -hmm. door-to-door sales fax machine person. Like, you think she felt like a success when she was doing that? Mm -hmm. Hell no, she didn't. But she went through it, and it made her be able to confidently talk to anybody about anything. That's probably how she landed the factory that now makes her Spanx. Mm
0: -hmm. How did you – I know, right? How did you – I feel like there's a – mental health component to that as well, where like those things do drag you down, right? And how do you get to the place where you don't let them keep you down?
1: Mm, That's a great question. I think everybody has their own path to self-improvement, right? Whether it's like I do yoga or I need to go on a walk or whatever it is. And I think there's a little bit of judgment around how everyone gets there. And you kind of have to do it for yourself and no one else, Don't do the self-care to be able to post a picture about your bathtub with the candles, right? Do it because it actually makes you feel better. So for me, it's ever evolving. It changes all the time. Like sometimes exercise is what gets me out of a rut and other times I'll do exercise. And then I'm like, that didn't help. Fuck, what do I do? Let me try something else. So it's just about like constantly tinkering with what is the thing that's going to help get you out of that. There's not oh like a, One magic bullet for everyone in the world. So you can't compare yourself and you can't judge yourself or others for how they're going to get there. Um, But I'd say the kind of really tried and true ones for me that I kind of cycle and rotate through are a combination of um, like changing my space. So if I'm like at home or if I'm working at the office and I just can't quite tap into what I'm trying to tap into, I want to change my space. So I'll go to a park, a library, uh, a coffee shop that I've never like worked at, a place that's completely different from where I am. And I do find that it kind of like breeds new life into my head and helps me think differently. Also sleeping enough. I can't express how much I think sleep is important because if you're trying to figure out the world's problems with four hours of sleep, like good luck, that's not good right? So sleeping enough and taking care of your body, your body's like this crazy engine and you need to make sure it's well fed and rested. And I really try and avoid drinking, uh, like pretty much most of the time, but especially during the week, because I feel like hangovers do not help making, you want to be like sharp as a tack, not all cloudy and foggy. So I try not to do anything that is, you know, extracurricular that'll make me foggy um, when I'm trying to get shit done.
0: Mm -hmm. And you get so much shit done. And you also have such confidence and joy with course correcting that I don't think a lot of people either openly talk about or say that have at all, right? Like you're like, well, this fail, we'll just go over here. Or like, you know what, this even just on like a mental wellness perspective, Routine, it was like, well, I'll test it. If it, that didn't work, I'll go to the next thing that I know I have on the back burner. And that is such a skill. And I think, like, it's one of the things that I've loved about talking to you that you just so easily are like, well, no, that didn't work. It's fine. And, like, you have no sense of guilting yourself for it not working the first time. Right.
1: Yeah. I think that's because I kind of was born into not really having a lot of stuff. So it wasn't ever a comparison mm-hmm. of like, oh, this didn't work. And I have this, like there was never abundance. So I just kind of had to create new things all the time to have anything. Therefore, I have this like scrappy mentality of if one thing didn't work, you got to try something else. And I actually think that's a very Latin thing. I look at my, my aunts and my uncles and my grandmother, my abuelita. And, man, they're, like, really resourceful and creative. And I think about my abuelita who would take her chancla, like a Mm flip-flop, and needed to, I don't know, like, hang something on a wall. And she'd, like, take off her shoe and hang it into the wall Mm -hmm. with her shoe. Right? It's not like, oh, I need to go to Home Depot and buy myself, (laughs) like, the right hammer. She would just say, "No, I have this. I'm going to make it work. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is a really beautiful gift because when you – have a lot of resources, sometimes you're not as creative. When you don't have resources, it's actually a blessing in disguise because you got to be a little more like ingen- you got to have a little more ingenuity, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. With abundance, that feels like another one of those like self-care catchphrases as well, where people just talk about so much of that lack mentality and how hard it is to embrace abundance in different ways. How have you navigated going from a space where like you read in the book and you said here you struggled a lot both as a family when you were growing up but then also yep. as you were coming up on your career and then yep. now you're in a place where there's a lot of fruits to your labor how yep. do you sit in that without feeling like an imposter through it all oh, gosh that's that's a tricky one i think for
1: it's so personal too right for, for me everyone. right mm-hmm. i had to kind of convince myself at different stages because I used to just be like, well, it's fine. I'm just like, you know, I'm just an apron lady or whatever. I would say these things that were like a little diminutive to who I was. And I think that was me trying to make sure that I was never considered not humble, right? Humility is something that's like really important to me. There's a whole page on in the book called <laughs> Humble Enthusiasm that I value so much because nobody likes talking to somebody who thinks they're hot shit, right? You're just sort of like, oh mm-hmm. my God, stop. So it's like, how do you maintain confidence without being an asshole? And for me, it's just appreciation for the things that my team and I have accomplished without feeling like I need to make anyone feel worse because they didn't accomplish it, if that makes sense. It's simply recognition that I accomplished that and then moving on. Not being like, I accomplished that, look how cool I am. But simply recognizing it and saying, Hell yeah, we did that. Fuck yeah. That is so awesome. Mm -hmm. Good job. Okay, what are you going to do tomorrow? And then kind of like marching forward to the next Mm -hmm. thing that you're going to accomplish versus sitting on your glory that you accomplished this other thing.
0: You have community around you that I think really holds you accountable to that kind of mentality, both on a peer level and at the the employees that you have at the company. But also you talk a lot about mentorship and how important the key people in your life, whether they were like directly mentors or didn't know they were mentors in your life, have played such a pivotal role in like who you are now.
1: Totally. And by the way, all of those people were that way. So they were an example to me. And hopefully, I'm an example to other people on their own journey in realizing that like success doesn't mean you can or should become unfriendly to people. It's like, you got to be nice on to people on the way up and on the way down, like in all the directions, right? Because success is not some like permanent status that you accomplish every day. You have to work for it and you have to earn it. And so, you know, Uncle Ted, who was a big mentor of mine, I talk a lot about him in the book, he would, he just died recently. And he, at his funeral, every single person that talked about him said how that didn't matter if you were a man or a woman or young or old, he respected you like a human. And that was so beautiful to watch somebody live their entire life that way. It wasn't like just lip service. He actually did it. And he always made me feel really important. And so that is something that I think I try to. You do. (laughs) Like just, yeah, I think everybody's important words are important and opinions and ideas come from anywhere. Uh, and yeah, I've always said like our aprons are, you know, it doesn't matter if you're the line cook in the kitchen or the executive chef, like you belong in a Hedley and Bennett apron and it's going to make you look and feel amazing. And that's true. Like, it's not, it's not some like elitist thing. I want it for everybody.
0: And it's accessible, right? I mean, I have one, in my kitchen that I wear that makes me feel like I'm a little top chef in my kitchen and like it makes it brings me joy right I'm a very beginner cook but it brings me that level of joy and I think that that is so representative of the brand that you're creating but also just the person you are like anyone that comes across your profiles your writing can feel that you are as colorful as the aprons, as colorful as like everything you post and that's a really beautiful legacy to be building as you go Thank
1: you. I, I really appreciate that. And I, but I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm not perfect. And I definitely have my moments where I'm like, or mm-hmm. I haven't been a good boss or I haven't been a good friend or things go wrong. So like, I, I hope that anyone listening to this knows that there's no perfection in this. And I think the self-awareness of when things go wrong is just as important because how mm-hmm. can you get better if you don't recognize when you fail?
0: And success is something that you've talked about before is really kind of redefined constantly by which stage of life you're in. We talked about in the Forbes article, a lot about motherhood and like how now it's your baby who's driving that car and like the path by which you're on versus like you behind that wheel as much.
1: Oh, it's so like I literally even from the last time I talked to you, Vivian, it's like such a mind blowing <laughs> change. I can't actually believe it. But yeah, I mean, having kids having babies, it's just having employees is like a form of having kids because you're responsible Mm -hmm. for them, right? And then you kind of graduate to having your own kids and you realize like, wow, there's a deeper purpose to my life that is bigger than like growing a business or having a community. It's actually supporting a life force that you created with your own body. Like that is so Mm -hmm. wild when I say that out loud. It's like I made a human being inside (laughs) of me. Crazy. Um, and so I think there's a lot more purpose with which I kind of like wake up and do things because I'm doing it for something so much bigger now. It's like a human and that's so important and valuable.
0: Are there are there tangible ways that you feel like it's shifted, that he shifted your definition of success, achievement, purpose, fulfillment?
1: Yeah, I think before I kind of had this idea that like if I – danced at everybody's wedding if I attended every event if I you know did things in our community where I showed up for every single person like that's what made me kind of like the best team member and now it's actually about being able to say no to certain things and showing up where there's value for me to give versus just like volume so it's a shift in from like volume to value. And that that's changed pretty dramatically because I really, if you'd asked me two years ago, like pre COVID, I went to everything. I went to every event, every dinner, every speaking, everything I did. And now I say no to so much more because I've realized that like time is the most valuable thing that I have. and Time is something that I can either give to my child or our company, or a group of friends, or to somebody else, right? So I have, it's a trade-off every time, and I have to make that choice. And when people are like, oh, I don't have any resources, like if you have time, you have the biggest gift of them all. If you don't have a job, congratulations that you have more time than anyone out there. What are you going to do with that time, right? So it's just like recognizing the value of the things that you have, and putting weight behind it. And time is now something that is at the top of my value list. Whereas before it wasn't.
0: You seem to be really great at self-accountability, which I think is something that a lot of us struggle with. That sense of like discipline. I don't even know if I want to call it discipline, but very much like self-accountability and being like, no, like no one else has to be holding me accountable for this. because your baby is so little, right? He's not holding you accountable for this, but you're right. holding yourself accountable for it on right. his behalf. Is that something that you're doing consciously or is it something that kind of is just second nature to who you are?
1: You know, I have to, I definitely have to work at it. Sometimes I'll be like, what did you Mm -hmm. accomplish this afternoon? What did you do today? What did you accomplish this (laughs) week? Because we can all be busy, but what are you Mm -hmm. getting to? Like, did you achieve something? And if you didn't, who's going to wake up and tell you that you didn't? Nobody. You have to do it, right? So if you look up from your life and Two months later, you're like, what did I do for the last two months? It's okay to say not Mm -hmm. a lot. All right. It's what are you going to do in the next two months that makes the difference, right? So I think one of the ways that I end up holding myself accountable to more efficiency and growth, Mm -hmm. et cetera, is like reading books because, and usually people that are really successful or Mm -hmm. listening to podcasts, because then I can compare my notes to their notes And I'm in the middle of reading this book called, I'm sure you've heard of it, Atomic Habits.
0: Oh my gosh, Um, it is. I don't know if you can see it, but it's literally back
1: there. It's what I'm in. I'm like three quarters of the way in. Amazing. So, you know, I, that book is literally sitting next to my pumping station where, you know, I got to pump milk every day for Nico and it's there. And so I'll skim through a couple of pages or if I'm feeling like in a rut or whatever, I'll just
0: Mm -hmm.
1: get in there and refresh my memory and be like, all right what are you going to do about that? Okay. Okay. I'm not doing that. I need to do that. Mm-hmm. And you so see, you're not really going to be held accountable by your friends, right? Ideally, you have friends that are really awesome and kick-ass and that you can, that can help hold you accountable. But in the case mm-hmm. that you don't, you got to do it with books, podcasts, etc. So surround yourself with people or things that can help you become better. That's, that's just like any time I've ever read about anyone that's successful, they're doing that period. They're holding themselves accountable. They're like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm not doing this good enough. What am I going to do about it today?
0: I want to hear about more of your Rex, but for a second, I want to talk about that book. Cause it's such, no matter how far along you're mm-hmm. in, I think the first chapter even is like as mind blowing as every other chapter that follows. But I think that the, it does such a good job at reminding you that you have way more autonomy in your life and like changing these habits and hacking your mind to change habits than I think anyone who doesn't pick it up knows, you know? Like there's just like this huge unlock when you're like, wait, I can do this.
1: Yes. Yes. And and realizing that it's actually like all these tiny things that Mm -hmm. you don't even realize that that's why it's atomic habits, right? It's just like series of tiny, 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 tiny things that change the course of your entire future. It's like, if you're, if you're changing the degree on a plane, one degree, one yeah. degree, one degree, you suddenly end up in Florida and you were trying to go to New York. Like that's <laughs> life. So you got to end up where you want to go. And that's by like actually continuing to hone back to where you're trying to head.
0: And being be really like, conscious of that. Yeah, and- it really is that. Are there any other books or podcasts that you feel you can send over as recommendations to anyone listening to this?
1: Oh my God, there's so many. I... there's a few that I just like listen to Mm -hmm. for the sheer reminder of thinking big and growing big, like how I built this. Mm -hmm. I love because it just is Mm -hmm. a constant reminder of how things can get bigger and bigger and bigger, but it's like a lot in your mind. Like, can I accomplish that? Right. So that's like a good, just inspo explosion. Um, And then there's, Gosh, there's like a pretty large rotation that I'm constantly going through. So I'm going to look on my phone while yeah. <laughs> we are talking. And I'm going to – there's another one called Impact Theory um, by Tom Bilyeu. I can't. I never say mm-hmm. his last name, right? B-I-L-Y-E-U. Yeah. I love – I'll add these and, in the show notes so we don't have to pronounce. <laughs> okay. All right. Great, great. The Glossy Podcast, Dr. Wayne Dyer, the Tony Rob- Robbins Podcast, uh, the, B of, the B-O-F Podcast. Uh, like business of fashion. I like that one. one, They they interview Mm -hmm. a lot of really successful people. And then those people hopefully give you tidbits on like how they're doing it. Like, I want to hear how people do it. I want to hear about how cool they are. I want to hear what they're doing to accomplish that. So those are, those are just a sprinkling of the ones I love.
0: It's like, I think it resonates too with just who you are and who you've been on this podcast episode, which is like, you want to unpack the middle, right? Like, what is the process? What does it actually look like? The, the bottom and the peak are cool, right? Yeah. But it's like, how are we getting there? Totally. It's the journey that gets you there, right? It's the journey that
1: the hard part that nobody's mm-hmm. looking at that, you know, I think about the amount of times that I have almost failed completely. Like, you know, I talk a lot about like, oh, mm-hmm. failures, one from moving from one place to another um, with not too much loss of enthusiasm. But the truth is there's been plenty of times uh, that I talk a lot about in the book where I did almost fail for real or mm-hmm. like almost lost the business. Or, you know, I, I think the instance of when we got served an eviction notice on our building and mm. we had to come up with all this money that we didn't have at the beginning of quarter 4 which is you know holiday that's our biggest season and i had to somehow come up with months and months of rent that our partner had not paid the the landlord mm-hmm. and it was just a disaster on every level and i didn't have investors i didn't have anybody to go to to like save me and we figured it out but like those times i didn't talk about that on instagram like nobody mm-hmm. heard about that when it occurred If you had looked at my Instagram that day, I was probably smiling and, like, posing with a new apron. Nobody knew that my business was, like, about to go under because of this. So that's the kind of stuff in the middle that Mm -hmm. doesn't exist to you, person listening to this podcast. It exists to all of us, period, full
0: Mm -hmm. stop. And it is the stuff that molds you and makes an impact. And yeah, it it gets you to year 10, right? Like, it it will get you to your 20. Yeah.
1: And by the way, like if I hadn't experienced that, I don't think that I would be as resilient as we were as a company when COVID hit,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right? So it's like all these challenges lead you to a place where you can be a stronger, quicker, more like speedy thinker because you have to be, because you have no one to rescue you. And you're just like, okay, I got to figure this out. So when people, you know, like I've had all kinds of trauma happen in my life and all Mm -hmm. kinds of challenging situations and my perspective towards that I've always tried to turn it into like my weapon it's the thing mm-hmm. that makes me different because I endured sad situation I now can turn around and make it my ammo and my fuel and most really successful people that I know have gone through some really shitty situation in their life and they chose to not let that situation make them less They chose Mm -hmm. to let them make that situation, make them more and make them more powerful because they survived.
0: That's such a beautiful way to end this episode. I honestly don't even want to ask another question because I just want to end on that one clip. Thank you so much, Alan, for coming on here and just sharing your story. I feel like there's no way anyone listening to this doesn't walk out a little bit more inspired than they walked in.
1: Oh, you are, I love talking to you every time. Every time it's like a gust of all kinds of inspiration. So thank you for
0: being such a great interviewer and host. I'm inspired to take on the world anytime I talk to Ellen. I hope you feel the same way as we wrap the conversation. You can read through our show notes on vivnunez.com. And if you can rate, review, share, happy to be here with a friend. It can go a long way as we continue to build up the community. I'll catch you next Thursday with a new conversation.